From old school to new, from analytics to your gut feeling, and from nuance to a blistering hot take, Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice present to you Political Football. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Political Football, a Matty S Media production. This is Matty Ice. I bring Cleve and Dave in momentarily, breaking down week six of the NFL season. It was a doozy. Uh, the Jaguars got their first win, which sucks, and we'll get to the Titans a little bit later. Anyway, uh, if you want to reach the show, Instagram, Political Football Podcast is the way to do it. Twitter, at Matty Ice Media is the handle, and of course, MattySMedia.com for your podcasting needs. Cleve, Dave, how you guys doing? But I'm doing great. Bitcoin's at a new all-time high today. It's uh, it is a it is a good day in this household. Let me tell you. That's that's awesome, bro. That's they, awesome. Uh, are, are, yeah, aren't they trading Bitcoin like on the actual market now? Is it on the on the stock exchange now? How's that working? No. So what happened is that a uh, Bitcoin-based ETF got approved uh, to be listed on the stock exchange. So like you have the Invesco QQQ ETF, which is advertising during March Madness. Uh, FTX is now going to be listed as well, which is when Tom Brady is chilling for. Uh, so it's just it's just a huge, it's just a good time, you know, more mainstream, more mainstream. It'd be like if uh, if political football started getting carried on the ESPN podcasting network. We'd be like, oh, all right, stock's going up. Could happen, yeah. could happen. So we don't have any racism to talk about this week, which is wonderful. We don't have any shitbag Urban Meyer to talk about this week, which is wonderful. So let's get right into the games. All right. So the first game here, we have the Bucks 28 at the Eagles 22. Uh, the Bucks just put a stranglehold on this game. And even though the Eagles were never out of it, it never felt like they were ever going to win. It Leonard Fournette in this game, 22 carries for 81 yards and two touchdowns, six carries for 40 or six catches for 46 yards. And he was going to get cut last year until Ronald Jones got COVID right before the playoffs and they had to hang on to him. And I think he knows that because he is playing out of his mind. And the only other note I have here, Cleve, is that I think the Bucks are going to win 14 games at least this season. Um, I can see that. I can yeah. definitely see that. Um, the thing about Philly, though, man, I mean, is it too much for Jalen Hurts? Like, not the not the lights of the game. They're asking him to do a lot. Like, this man, in 10 starts, you know, he has very low QBR, stuff like that. But they're asking him to carry a, a big load for them. You know, they have running backs that are getting checks for a combined um, uh, carry total of maybe 12 and for 35 yards. It's ridiculous. So I don't think that he's being asked to do too much. I think that he is just clearly the best player on the offense, and it really jumps out during during the games. Uh, I think Devontae Smith's got a little bit of talent. I think Jalen Rager's got a little bit of talent. Uh, but he's just so much better than everybody else around him. It just really shows. So it looks like he's being asked to do a lot. But he's not being asked to do more than Justin Herbert. It's just that Justin Herbert gets to hand it to Austin Eckler sometimes and throw it to Big Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and not hand it to Miles Sanders. Matt, what do you think? <laughs> I think that if Davis Mills was quarterback in the Eagles, it would have been 28 nothing, not 28-22. So I think your point was valid last week about just below top-tier status of quarterbacks, that being a running quarterback makes a big difference, at least in terms of, of that. But I think you know, you're both right. I, you know, I think he's not being asked to do too much, but it's an ask for everything that they have there. And we don't, I think the, the jury's still out on Sirianni because we like to do sharp versus donkey here, but I think we're not sure yet, right? I, I think. But but here's the thing. 
needed an underdog to be sharp. Um, but it, I mean, maybe there's a chance. I mean, he, they're at least using Jalen Hurts correctly, which is more than we can say for Matt Nagy. But I'm sorry, go ahead, Cleve. No, so so I'm thinking long term here that um, when it comes down to his spot next year on the team, um, he's going to be blamed for a lot of the things that have gone on because he is the captain of the ship, so to speak, on the field. Um, and we we just acknowledge that they have nothing at the trotting out there with him, but it's going to be an indictment on him that his I mean his QB like his he's doing a lot and he's 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 having stats games where stats are great and he's having games where he's like twenty seventh in 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 QBR you know that's not gonna that's not gonna look well for what you're gonna build around next year right well I think that's only gonna be a take for like idiot Philly fans uh, not all Philly fans are idiots but man <laughs> are. Uh, and so that's a, so like yeah, talk radio in Philly could be doing whatever. But I mean, here's the thing, Cleve, as a Jets fan, who do you want to quarterback your team next year? Jalen Hurts or Zach Wilson? Oh, Jalen Hurts for sure. Matt, who do you want quarterback your team next year? Mac Jones or Jalen Hurts? Probably Jalen Hurts, only because of the running aspect. I mean, yeah, and then for me, it's Jared Goff or Jalen Hurts. So <laughs> right, so like, and listen, if the Eagles want to give up on Jalen Hurts, you know. My body is ready for the Lions. <laughs> we can we can work something out if they if they're ready to to not have him. So I think you know I think that's going to be his team going forward for the next the next couple of years. It'll just be interesting to see what they put around him. But they still are holding three of the top like eleven draft picks in the draft as of right now. So they're they're well set up. Now the the next game we have here we have the Dolphins twenty at the Jags twenty three. This was a London game, so it's really nice to see the Jags get a win in front of their home fans. Uh, that's no. good. There's no pool in London, though. <laughs> no, no, God. there's not. Uh, they have they have uh, standards over there. Now, Cleve, my question for you is: How many pass attempts and how many yards did Tua have in this game? Uh, pass attempts, twenty-seven, uh, two hundred and ten yards. Forty-seven attempts, three hundred and twenty-nine yards. <laughs> wow. So the question is: He throws. 47 times for 329 yards and two touchdowns and they scored 20 points. Yeah, that's not good. I'm not going to lie. I was too busy frantically setting DFS lineups for the main slate to pay too much attention to this game. So I don't know how this happened, but Matt, do you know how they only scored 20 points with him throwing for 300 yards against the Jags? Uh, the Jags bend, don't break defense, baby. That's got to be what it is because uh, <laughs> uh, honestly, so I think I said this offline to you guys, but this was a game I know it happened because I watched the end of the game. I texted Cleve because I thought Cleve was going to be ecstatic that Tua lost to the Jags. But I, you're right, Dave. Like I think it was like it. <sighs> Jalen Waddle had a big game, but didn't have major stats. You know what I'm talking about? Like they haven't figured out quite how to use him yet, and I feel like that's a microcosm for the offense in general where remember that game against the Raiders he had 13 targets for like 58 yards and we're like how <laughs> like how does that work so think about Tua throwing 47 times for that many yards and them only scoring 20 points clearly there's something missing in the offense and I don't think it's a Tua problem I don't think it's a Brian Flores problem I, I just don't think that there's there's something that's not clicking with them just yet with all the weapons that they have it's like hey we've assembled this great team we've got Tua and when he's healthy, we feel good about it, but we're not really quite sure how to take like the first steps. And once they well, make they, the first steps, they'll they'll be okay. 
they haven't had Tua and Will Fuller at the same time yet. Yeah, they haven't. And so when he comes back in a couple of weeks, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, now, Cleve, the big news, though, floating around today is that there's a big three-way trade that people are discussing that would send Tua not to the Texans, but to the Washington football team. Wow. <laughs> with Deshaun Watson ending up in Miami. Uh, and I think Houston just getting all the draft picks would Man. be would be how this how they're trying how they're trying to work this. And so I don't think this is gonna come to fruition. I do think that there might be a trade uh between Miami and Houston on their own in the next couple of weeks, 50-50 maybe. But just for a second, what would you think, Cleve, if Tua was the quarterback of the football team? Do you think would your opinion change at all with them having Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson, or is it be it's a Tua thing? I think it's a Tua thing. I just don't. I just don't believe in this guy's game. I just don't believe in it. And and it's just it's just me. I know I know the you know the national championship stuff and and all that. Um, I I, I think his durability is going to be a thing with him. But um, I just don't think I don't I don't I don't care where he plays. Um, you could put him on the Chargers. I think we're still going to have Tua. All right. Well, I mean, fair fair enough. I just wanted to get your uh your thought there. I'm still a little more bullish on Tua than than you are although if he ends up with the texans that will change that will change a little bit that would not no. be <laughs> i mean, I mean, I'm saying, I mean i'm not i'm not wishing i'm not wishing like death on his career but yeah that would be a real indictment on him that that they jettisoned him to the texans dude like wow but it's for deshaun well, yeah. watson yeah, I mean, as far as we know, Tua hasn't, isn't despicable or anything. We want him to succeed. We're just making yeah. you know judgments based on what we're seeing seeing on the field. Uh, speaking of judgments that we're seeing on the field, Cleve, your boy Sam Darnold, Vikings thirty four, Panthers twenty eight in overtime. Now, I was pretty bullish on Sam Darnold coming into the year. So, on my best ball teams, I have a lot of like Sam Darnold as my second quarterback. Uh huh. And in the fourth <laughs> quarter of this game, he had two DraftKings points. Two DraftKings points is fifty passing yards. <laughs> he, he ended. He ended with seventeen, so he sort of rescued it in the fourth quarter. But this is his final stat line: seventeen of forty-one, two hundred and seven yards, one touchdown, and one pick. <laughs> so he's a so he's a pick a game, huh? Is, is that it? Six picks total on the year. It's been it's been Jets Darnold the last the last couple yeah. weeks the last couple yeah. weeks without Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, and Matt so I'm just wondering. Yeah, yeah, I'm just wondering. Like, is Christian McCaffrey just so critical because he's so good at both phases of the game? Is he just so critical to the offense? It, like, if Derrick Henry were to get hurt for the Titans, we'd be like, yeah, they're just done. Forget about it. Yeah, if yep. you really look at the Panthers the same way, like without CMC, they're just done. Forget about it. I think I think he's a very good smoke screen for them. And we, you know, all all last year, you guys made me believe of how this guy's a Swiss army knife. Like he's very pivotal to their offense. And Darnold, Darnold, um, not a above game manager, but yeah, if he's forced to win these games without, you know, or play, play these games without, he's, it's going to show up that he needs, he needs very good supporting cast. But that might not be a Sam Darnold thing because we saw Teddy struggle last year as well without McCaffrey. So I think it's less of an indictment on Darnold, but 17 of 41 is fucking hard. Yeah, that's, Dude, like, Jesus. The three of us could get could could have a better stat line than that. Honestly. I, 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 
I, I, know, I know this isn't true, but watching the game, it, so he finished 17 of 41. It feels like he started 0 for 24 <laughs> and then went 17 for 17. Like he was truly terrible to, to start this game. Um, and the, other, the other note I have on this game is that this was a huge game in the wild card race and for seeding. Cause I don't think either of these teams are gonna win the division, even though I did predict the Vikings at the start of the year. So just for like where they're gonna end up, if they both make the playoffs, this is a huge win for the Vikings and not having to go to, I don't know, Green Bay or Dallas or some places in Tampa Bay. Can mm-hmm. I also make another point about Darnold? Yeah. I think it's also uh, I, I think it's also fair to Darnold. Like he had such a terrible game, but the team came back to at least bring it to overtime. So mm-hmm. again, like I know that he's been not great, but I think we need to understand like he didn't do that sort of thing with the Jets, right? So the fact that he was at least having a terrible game, but the team came back to be competitive in that game. And I think we can all agree that the Vikings are probably better than the Panthers if they have all their pieces together. Maybe, maybe. It's close. It's, it's close. close. So yeah. I, I'm trying to give the guy the benefit of the doubt for the fact that, hey, look, bad game, but... He brought the team back. And again, Teddy had the same troubles last year. So maybe we still need a few more data points with him, you know, at full capacity. Cause maybe no quarterback outside of the like top, top tier could do this, right? But I mean, Tannehill in this offense, does Tannehill struggle? Cause it's basically like losing a Derrick Henry esque player. Yeah. Uh, I I think Tannehill is a little better than Darnold. Well, yeah, but my point being, Cleve, is that losing a player of McCaffrey's caliber is going to crush any team unless they have, like, the real top-tier guys in the league. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, And I think that when we're assessing Sam Darnold, it's easy for us to go back to, well, there's Jets Darnold, and the numbers certainly would show that. But there's some other things to sort of consider in there, and you look at the opponents. Like, they played the Cowboys, who we know are very good now. So... You know, I mean, that, I mean, bad game is bad game, but today's point, 47, was it 47th rows? 41, 41, 17 of 41. 17 of 41. That is, that is absolutely atrocious. I mean, my, my opinion on Darnold is much closer to Matt's. It's just that in this game, watching it, it's like if he would have gone 21 of 41, they probably yeah, ex- Yeah, exactly, exactly. However, Cleve only completed 17 passes of 41, still scored more points than the two of Dolphins. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Good dig. Nice. So then here we go. Here we go, Cleve, for this next game. We have a lot of they're still in the leaks for you. The Chargers six at the Ravens 34. Cleve, the following three players scored touchdowns for the Ravens. Latavius Murray, <laughs> Devontae Freeman, and Le'Veon Bell. Oh my God. Three castaway, three castaway backs, basically. Is that uh is that the Saints, Atlanta, and um what's the other guy? the jets yeah and the yeah and the jets well i was i was gonna say the steelers but i yeah, yeah, I, wanted, yeah. I want I, yeah, I wanted one of you guys to just disrespect them he had a <laughs> cup of coffee with the jets <laughs> right and then so what's amazing about this game for the ravens is that watching the game it didn't feel like they were doing that great but they were just crushing the chargers the entire way which is a very bullish signal for the ravens so this is lamar's stat line 19 of 27 which is a good percentage but only 167 yards one touchdown and two interceptions and if i if i said before the game that that would be his stat line you'd be like oh the chargers are gonna win yeah and the Ravens won by four touchdowns 
Man. This game proved your point about bad games and when they come about. Because yeah. the Chargers played horrific in this game. Worse than they played against the Cowboys. Remember how strange that game was. Mm -hmm. But this is a Ravens team that if you play poorly against them, they can beat you, right? And so I, I don't feel like this changes my opinion on the Chargers that much. It's just, okay, they played a bad game. And I think I said this a couple years ago. Cleve might remember this. When Lamar lost that, that first playoff game, I think, when he won the MVP. And I said, look, good team. When they, they lost the Titans. And I said, good teams lose all the time. It's not an indictment on whether Lamar is a good quarterback or not. They just didn't play well in that particular one game sample. That's what football is. So I think the Chargers in the end are going to be fine. It's just the Ravens played really well, at least it, when they had to. I mean, again, they didn't do a whole lot, but they did enough to win by four touchdowns. Yeah, and I, I, one other point I want to make here too, and I don't know if I've, made, if I've made this point on the podcast yet. I'm sure I'll say it again, but when two teams are evenly matched and there's a blowout that happens, people tend to overreact in both directions. Like, oh, the Chargers must not be as good as we thought. They got blown out. Oh, the Ravens must be great because they blew out the Chargers. But when two teams are evenly matched, blowouts are still a reasonable outcome. It's just that they can happen in either direction, right? Like if we look at this in a college football setting where it's extreme, if Alabama is playing Eastern Michigan, the only blowouts that can happen are Alabama beating Eastern Michigan. If Eastern can win it all, they're winning between one and four points. But if Alabama's playing Ohio State, both teams can blow each other out in either direction. And so, Matt, I think you're right that we don't want to take too much, not judge the Chargers too harshly for getting blown out in this spot. Cross country, 10 a.m. start for them, right, against a really good team. They've played really well recently. I just think that this is one of the games where the Chargers show up and they play, they play really bad. I do think it's fair to reinsert the Ravens now as the favorites to win this division, not just because of how they're playing, but now mathematically they're two up on Cleveland, which is a huge, huge advantage. Yeah, and let's also like give the Chargers credit. They they were in that horse race 47-42 game against the Browns a week prior. So like sometimes when you have these like big games back to back to back to back, because they had the Chiefs recently too, you know, I mean, mentally, again, with the 10 a.m. start time and their, their body clock, it's probably a lot. And I think three weeks from now, if the Chargers are seven and three, we'll be like, they're just fine. Right. So that blow, I don't think is super indicative. Uh, the next one, I think, is very definitive. Rams 38 at the Giants 11. And boy, I sure can't wait to travel 2,000 miles to watch the Rams murder the Lions this week. That's going to be fun. Um, okay, Cleve, I, have a, I do have a question for you, though. Yeah. In the history of the NFL, there have only been two wide receivers with 600, 600 yards receiving and seven touchdowns or more through week six of the season. Who are they? Uh, one would be Randy Moss. In 2007, that's right. And so who's the one this year? Who's won this year? Yeah, we're um, talking about the Rams Giants and Canarius Tony. Oh. It is Cooper Cup. Cooper, wow. Yeah, yeah. Let me, we mentioned like how he's got to be seen as an elite number one wide receiver. Yeah. I would say so. He's putting up Randy Moss 2007 numbers. So, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty good. And then this game, I mean, the poor Giants. Uh, Danny Dimes came back after his concussion last week, which... I know he got cleared by an independent whoever, but it's still suspect. I mean, the dude was falling forward a week ago. Wow. Um, but, but Saquon, Darius Slayton, and Kenny Galladay were all out. And then Kadarius Tony got hurt in the first quarter. So this is basically an XFL team. Jesus. Like, man. how bad are the Giants' backups, right? I mean, we know how bad their starters are. <laughs> their backups have to be terrible. So okay. they just, they had no hope in this game. 
fundamentally as a coach, like this is to both of you. If you're looking at how many players are out, you got Daniel Jones in there. Like, I know that you, he, he's, they're probably going to move on from him. But like, is this the kind of scenario where you're like, maybe we should play the backup here? The uh, the coach can't because the coach is going to get fired if they don't win. So he has to yeah, play the guy. He has to play. Yeah, yeah, to win. yeah. He has to play and the it's, guy. It's definitely Daniel Jones. I mean, we saw what happened with Jones out of the game last week. Yeah. So, I mean, Daniel Jones, not even knowing where he is, probably gives him a better chance to win. Damn. <laughs> the back quarterback. <laughs> just, seemed, just seemed like a dangerous proposition for poor Danny. He had no chance whatsoever. Yeah, but I don't think Joe Judge really cares about Daniel Jones's health, if we're being honest. Yeah, I don't they, think they, Joe they, Judge knows where the fuck he's at. I'm going to be yeah, honest with you. Yeah, they, they're all fired. This, they're all fired, bro. Like, it's yeah. just... Yeah, it's we're just waiting. We're just waiting for the season to end for them. So, what 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 position on the Patriots will Joe Judge take next year? Because I'm sure he'll be like the defensive specialist coordinator, or something like that. Because all these guys that are off the Belichick tree end up coming back because they don't make anything as NFL head coaches. Because you can't just be around Bill Belichick and be a good head coach in this league. I actually have I actually have a shocking take for this. Joe Judge isn't going back to the Patriots. He's going to Alabama. He's going to go oh. be an analyst at Alabama. You're then right. move up to defensive coordinator and then go get a head coaching job in college. Yeah, you're well, right. Because Saban's got Saban's got that gig going on. Uh yep. where he the Lane Kiffin kind of started that, right? With uh, yep. hey, let's uh, let, let's do our apology sorry. tour. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'll tell you to take take the job that the guy got fired from for not getting vaccinated and blew his three million dollars a year situation. Yeah, so yeah, that's <laughs> So for the listeners, Nick Rolovich, the head coach at Washington State, got fired because he refused to get vaccinated. When he got fired for cause, of course, and had yeah. $11 million up on his deal. Cleve, can you imagine <laughs> losing a million dollars and a head coaching gig in the Pac-12 for Trump? Yeah, dude, it's it's unbelievable. And Trump is vaccinated. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you couldn't write this in a comedy skit for anyone, bro. It's unbelievable. And, you know, to Matt's point that he lightened me because I didn't know this. Um, he's the highest state employee, highest paid state employee in, in the state, and most most coaches, most Not coaches anymore. are. And, and, and I, I didn't realize that. Like we think of state employee, even governor, like you're not making that kind of coin, right? You know? yeah. Three million dollars, bro. Wow. When so guy who's killing a coach somewhere. That's the other thing. Like he's a bad coach in over his head, and he could have <laughs> just collected twelve million over the next few years and gone been an assistant <laughs> in Alabama instead. He's going to lose eleven million dollars because he doesn't want to get a vaccine. Like it's great, it's awesome. Quick aside on that highest paid state employee thing. So Mrs. Ice works on uh, public tax data for for what she does. And she, when she first took this job, she's like, you know, I don't this name here for the highest paid Connecticut employee. Like it seems really strange. She goes, Do you know who Gino? Oriema is and I was like yes I do she's like who is he and I was like he's like one of the best basketball coaches in the world and she's like basketball coach and I was like yeah UConn, UConn women's basketball has been a little bit good for the past like 50 years or whatever yeah. it is and so she was like whoa and that that's actually how I got her to turn on whether collegiate athletes should be paid because she found out that all these coaches are making more than like the dean, like all these other yeah. important these yeah, important apartments. positions at the university, and she's like, "That's bullshit." And I was like, "Man, that only took six years." Yeah, but they, but what they're bringing in, though, 
you know, Nike and these people, oh, like, they're it. bringing yeah. in millions. Yeah, they're 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 fairly compensated for what for what they produce, except for Nick Rolovich. He was overpaid because he sucks, but that's not their problem anymore because <laughs> he got fired. Um, anyway, but if you told me a Washington State coach walked out of the job for being vaccinated, I would have said Mike Leach. I don't know why. He just seems like that kind of a kook. <laughs> Mustache, baby. No, no, no. Mike Leach is the other way. Mike Leach would get fired for locking his players who refused to get vaccinated in a closet. <laughs> right. Fair or, enough. Oh, the oh that was the that was the woodshed with the with the concussion uh, back in then. Oh yes. man, I forgot about yeah. that. And and uh, Mike Leach also told his players to focus on football and not their fat little girlfriends. Oh, which man. I mean <laughs> would be it actually be amazing if he were an NFL head coach, which you could not <laughs> talk to unpaid twenty one year olds like that, like sir. <laughs> um Okay, well, we're going to move on from talking about Nick Rolovich, who's a terrible coach, to the Houston Texans. Uh, The the Houston Texans, three, at the Colts, 31. Uh, Cleve, I have a question for you. Jonathan Taylor ended this game with 14 carries for 145 yards and two touchdowns. 14, 145, and two. How many carries, yards, and touchdowns did he have in the first half? In the first half? Uh, Six. Two for eight. (laughs) Two carries, eight yards, and the second half just exploded all over the Texans. Wait a minute, two for eight on the Texans? Are you kidding me? They were what, the in the half. box? Yeah, and then in the second half, he just explodes for, what would that be, Wait. 12 for 137 and two? Got going. Got yeah. hot. Uh, and then my other only note of this game uh, is actually from Matt. And that's that Davis Mills returned to being pure butt in this game, which is not a good sign for the Patriots defense, Matt. No, it's not, but at the same time, uh, a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again. So, uh, <laughs> especially with a neck that long. <laughs> tell, tell me about Jesus it. Jesus with the neck. <laughs> Here's the thing about the Texans. The Texans are, for the most part, that team that uh, other teams play to like get that confidence. Where like the Colts now are like, see, we're back, and it's like, no, you're not. No, they yeah. are still terrible and probably still going to get the number one overall pick although man there's a team going to give them a run for their money i really didn't have any other notes on this game because i don't think we saw that the colts are particularly good i mean they followed up a decent performance last week against the ravens that they lost with crushing the texans but honestly that's what that's what they're supposed to do so i don't really have anything else on uh, on this game you guys got anything are they still hard knocks with these guys and when i have no idea i've not heard any details <laughs> yeah. um yeah, I just hope we do get to see them after the Ravens game last week. Oh. So we're, we're, <laughs> I, th- I feel like we're going to have to watch that and do the episode while watching it just so that we can <laughs> react to how that episode goes. That that has the opportunity to be so – like that episode alone will be more entertaining than the entire Cowboys season. <laughs> I have to say this Cowboys one this year was the most boring hard knocks there has ever been. And I cannot believe this is the first one you watched, Matt. Just go back and watch the Miami Dolphins one from a few years ago, and you can see Hope oh. Pinko get fired on national television. With, after, after, after the headbutt? Yeah, it was great. To be fair, Not- though, it helped to formulate my Mike McCarthy opinion, so I'm sticking with that the rest of the year. True. <laughs> True. Okay, so the next game we have here, we have the Chiefs 31 and the football team 13. And um, if Mahomes had another awful interception in this game, and they won because the football team is not good. I mean, that's just all there is to it. They're just, they're just not good. So the Chiefs won by 18 despite that. But if the football team were the team that we thought they were, RIP Denny Green, the Chiefs would have lost this game. So I don't think the Chiefs have actually figured anything out yet. I think this is actually more confirmation the football team is hashtag not good. 
what the hell was Mahomes doing on that botched snap? Like, that was, I hate to say it this way, but that was some rookie shit right there. Like, what is that? It's a botched snap, fall on it, just move on. Like, he's trying to do way too much. And then he was getting tackled and he throws and it's like, I, I don't understand I, that. The I don't either. Thing. I don't understand it either. And Dave texted, I, I couldn't get the words off of my fingers fast enough before Dave <laughs> got it out because I was like, this is exactly what we've been talking about with Mahomes. And again, like at what point though, guys, do we figure out that this is becoming a trend and it's not an outlier? Because you know how we've been looking for data points? How many more do we need? He just has to, he just, I mean, I don't know if he knows when to take a sack in that spot or, you know, throw the ball away, or he's still trying to make a play happen because he's gotten away with it so much in the past. But I think that things have caught up and the ad-libbing and all the bullshit, it has to stop because I think they said this a couple weeks ago, like if they're in a shootout and you're playing like that, you're not going to sustain a shootout with anybody. Yeah, one bad play like that against the Ravens, and you're probably losing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't just give away a, f a free turnover to the Ravens or the Bucks again or something or yeah. something like that. I think, honestly, I'm surprised Jameis Winston's not about to ask for $500 million because <laughs> it, it's, it's honestly it's kind of hard to tell the difference. I mean, Mahomes is out here throwing the ball 100 yards downfield and throwing bad interceptions while mixing in a bunch of touchdowns. And I'm like, yeah, this is this, he's playing like Jameis right now. So they uh, he needs he needs to clean this up a little bit. But the thing is, these are like the only mistakes he seems to be making. Like he's not making bad reads. He's not missing throws in the dirt. He's just forcing plays that don't need to be forced, which yeah. means it's also one of the easiest things to get cleaned up. Yeah, but but here's the thing, Dave. It, it could get forced in a moment where it could cost him the game. Right. Like, like a really important game or a division game, you know? So he, he just has to pick his spots, I guess. Yeah. That, that, that gunslinger mentality, though, that sometimes that's tough to get out. Sometimes it is. I mean... And that's some, a little bit of what Mahomes is doing. But again, I think you're right, Deb. I think he's disciplined enough to fix it. It just, at some point, he's got to fucking fix it. Because this whole, like, throwing while you're getting tackled, don't do that. Just don't fucking right. do that. No, no. Yeah, just just get tackled. Yeah, go down. Uh, the, the next game, we have the Packers 24 at the Bears 14. So here's the thing about trash talk. Good trash talk is good because it's true. It's not good because it's necessarily clever. It's not good because it rhymes over a beat, although that helps. Good trash talk is good when it's true. For example, if I came on here and I said, hey, Cleve, I'm going to beat your ass in the ring next time I see you, that mm -hmm. might be clever and it sounds tough, but it's not true. So it's not very effective. <laughs> However, Aaron Rodgers looking at the Bears fans and screaming, I fucking own you. I've owned you my entire life. I still own you. I own you. That is true. And that is a fantastic trash talk because what could a Bears fan possibly say back to that? Did he, Nothing. did he, uh, so Matt told me about it this morning. I didn't know. So did he discount double check when he scored and said that? He did. So he gets shoved in the corner of the end zone to go up 24-14 with like three minutes yeah. left. Discounts double check on his knee. Like he rolled into <laughs> it like a wrestling move. He looks up in the crowd. He said later that he saw some lady giving him the double bird. <laughs> and, and, and somebody. So, he just, so he screamed at her. Well, not at her, but at the fans in general. I own you. I fucking own you. I've owned you my entire life. I still own you. I own you. This this sounds like this sounds like a little Jordan in the um in his documentary where he just makes yes. up and makes up something to just get him going. 
and I took that personally. I believe that's yeah, what he right. said. Yes. So, uh, in his career, Cleve, Aaron Rodgers against the Bears is 21 and 5 with 57 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. What, like, what, what, what are they going to say? Like, Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Just, I've owned you my entire life. I mean, that is. I'm gonna I I'm gonna use that. I don't know what context I could possibly use it in. Maybe talking to my cat. I mean, I mean, I don't really know, but I mean, I mean, the way you said it, like it's scripted. It's like I own you. I've always like say it again. Like say it verbatim. So so I wrote it down. He said <laughs> he said I own you. I fucking own you. I've owned you my entire life. I still own you. I own you. Okay, so I would have loved for that lady to be black. That is double burden. <laughs> Let's see the backlash in the cancer culture today. <laughs> like I said, I don't think he was talking to the specific lady. I think she was just representative of the crowd. And he was the only fan. It should have just been black fans standing in that section. <laughs> you know? Is it possible that that fan represented every fan in the NFC North since Aaron Rodgers took over? And could he have said that in literally every stadium in the NFC North? Is it, Pretty much. Is that fair? <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I didn't I didn't want to look up his record against the Lions because why would I do that to myself? Um, but yeah, he could. Yeah. If Aaron Rodgers didn't score a touchdown in front of me at Ford Field, I'm probably not giving him a double bird because like, what am I going to say? You know what I mean? <laughs> like there's nothing there's there's nothing there's nothing to say there. As far as this game goes, uh, Matt, your boy Khalil Herbert, 19 carries, 97 yards and a touchdown went undrafted and he's basically as good as Leonard Fournette. So don't draft running backs in the first round. I was going to say, talk about running backs being interchangeable. Yeah. I mean, David Montgomery, Damian Williams, and Khalil Herbert are all just going to do the same thing in the offense. They're all going to get four yards per carry to touchdown in every game and lose by 10. I always like it though, when a guy like this gets his moment and he makes the best of it. Like it's still a good, it's, it's a, it's a good story, but Dave, to me, this game felt like, the Packers were never going to lose this game. And even though it was a three-point game at the end, it felt like one of those games where, eh, the Packers are going to win. I don't know how you yep. felt about it. Yeah, it never. It, the Bears never felt like they had a chance to win. Part of this is because their coaching is just so absolutely inept. They, Nagy has no idea how to use Justin Fields. And it's because he spent all of the summer and all of training camp trying to convince himself and everybody that Andy Dalton should be the starter. If they had been prepared to use Justin Fields since the day they drafted him, maybe they'd be doing a little bit better at it and be a little more effective. But that's why he's no judge will be working for Nick Saban next year. What? So why didn't he um, contact McCarthy to get the B&B information on the barn on Krypton? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Matt Nagy would need to absorb DNA from Vince Lombardi to be half the coach Mike McCarthy is. That's how bad Matt Nagy is. Damn, that's pretty bad. Think about if Mitch got drafted by another franchise and another coach. Would we be talking about Mitch a lot differently today? Probably. Yeah. And did they win 12 games with Mitch in spite of Matt Nagy? It seems more likely every game that goes by. Just my personal opinion. Yeah, talk about your blind, blind nut finding a squirrel or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know your proverbs, but whatever, whatever it is. Okay, so I don't know your proverbs, but one thing that I do know is that the Detroit Lions are going to lose. The Bengals thirty-four at the Lions eleven, and Cleve, the Detroit Lions, after six weeks, are in sole possession of the first overall pick. Yeah, I mean it's 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 your mojo working against mine. 
So I know you're you got a fucking shaker or something, and you're you're just blowing fucking voodoo dust everywhere. Because I I just can't I can't believe there have not even one win yet. Come on, man. I don't know. I don't know how you can say this is my mojo. You're a fan of the Jets and Rutgers. Like it's not like no. I'm the only fan of losers around here. <laughs> no, Rutgers is where it's where I you know live, but. I'm a, I'm a U fan, but um, yeah, it's, it's not much better this year. <laughs> <laughs> can I buy a win? Come on, I know I got a, a win total of like one <laughs> with all those teams. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, man. It is bad out here for the Lions. Not, I mean, just not competitive at all against Cincinnati. Which against Cincinnati, you score 11 points at home. Uh, Jamar Chase in this game, four catches, 97 yards, just a lethal downfield threat already. And I don't know if you saw the touchdown to Joe Mixon on the screen where Mixon's like 10 yards downfield and Chase runs up behind him, pushes Alliance defensive back into the ground and then catches up to Mixon and escorts him into the end zone. And he ran a 4-3-9 at his pro day. He's faster than that. He ran slow at his pro day. He, he was wow. moving way faster than a 4-3-9 on that play. So he's he's for real. I don't have anything else on this game besides the I game. Mean, I mean, is the lace, the are the laces neon now that he could see them? Because he's obviously having a great time catching the ball now. <laughs> Imagine you can that. look two, it in. Yeah, two bad drops during the preseason weren't indicative of his overall ability. Who would have yeah, thought? Which, which, which I was going to give you your flowers to say, hey, you know what? Don't, don't bury a guy just yet. You know, like he's doing just fine. Couple yeah, thoughts. Absolutely. Couple, th- couple thoughts for me. Um, to me, this is a data point for the Bengals because in years past, if teams that we thought were making a jump, if they played a team like the Lions, they might not have looked this good. So blowing out the Lions to me is a sign of progress and growth for the Bengals as a team with Joe Burrow. So I think that's a good thing. And Cleve, all that this means is that this seven and four run that the Lions are going on to make you a winner is going to be that much more exciting. Yeah, this is bad, dude. I I, I mean, I'm going to another couple of weeks, I'm going to have to start scheduling with Dave for his uh his sessions because I, I don't I don't see seven. <laughs> there is there is a way though that, that this could still go really bad because I am being punished by I don't know the Lord or somebody for something because now the Lions can go seven and four, which means they won't make the playoffs, they'll get a bad draft pick and I'll lose the bet. So that means it's possible. Because that, that trifecta being possible for me, it could still hit. So so basically, okay. they'll be the Washington Wizards. Okay, I've got it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the Lions are at the Rams this, uh, this coming Sunday. I will be there for that game. I'm very excited to go. My brother lives out there, and his wife and her family are all Rams fans. So all the Detroit people are going, and we're going with the Rams people. It's going to be a really fun time. I told the second f- quarter when it's 24 to nothing in L.A., but um, excited to are see you, the $5 billion stadium. So are you gonna, it'll be, are you gonna yeah, fly it'll your be, colors? It'll be a good time. Are you going to fly your colors? Are you going to wear your, like a jersey or something and deck so out? I don't have any jerseys. I do have like a black Lions T-shirt that I could wear. I have the okay. Lions mask for sure. And if they have Lions stuff at the game, I'll probably buy something. So, but yeah, I will be rooting for the Lions, even though I want them to have the first overall pick. I do not want them to go 0 and 17. So I want them to get a win at some point. So I will be rooting for them hard in this game until Pullman minutes to go in the second quarter when it's clear they're going to lose and why get beat up for the Lions to lose by 50. So you don't have a, you don't own a jersey at all? I don't. Um, I haven't worn jerseys 
man in a long time i haven't had a lion's jersey since my i have a throwback berry jersey at like my mother-in-law's basement or something oh wow it's it's been a while for me too actually my father has all my jerseys because i haven't worn one like i don't wear them in the house to watch the game I, i'd rather wear a hoodie or something like that so i'm kind of in dave's boat i have yeah, jerseys I, I don't wear them i have like a scarf and a hat and stuff like that so you know you don't have your wayne corbett jersey just ready to go i, I go out to <laughs> I go out tune, baby. Freeman Johnny McNeil. Blair Blair uh Blair Thomas just fucking fumbled his jersey. <laughs> <laughs> the uh the next game here we have the Cardinals 37 at the Browns 14. And the first thing I noticed on watching this game was that the Cardinals defense demonstrated what we said last week. They are absolutely for real. They are what we thought Washington would be. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Maybe not from a fantasy perspective, but on field is what matters. And they are, man, they've made almost every team look bad. Like every team look bad. And they yeah. don't need Kingsbury <laughs> to well, be on the sidelines. Yeah, on the sideline. He's collecting a check. Hey, if, if Mitch Trubisky can win 12 games with Matt Nagy as his coach, Kyler Murray <laughs> can do a lot more with Cliff Kingsbury. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the other thing on this game is that the Browns have now fallen to three and three. But they're still in a very solid position because they have two losses. We only lost to the Chargers, a loss to the Cardinals. These are not terrible losses. The Ravens are five and one, which is two games better. But they didn't need the sixty-six yard field goal to beat the Lions. And so if they, if they miss that kick, the Browns are three and three. The Ravens are four and two, and we're not, you know, we're not freaking out about where the Browns are at or anything right now. So I don't want to come down too hard on the Browns. But we have to consider the Ravens now the favorites in the division because two games is a lot to make up against a team as talented as the Ravens. Mm. My big concern with the Browns is injuries. And yes, and that's and that's a fair uh, it's not even a criticism. It's a, it's an objective look at the team like it's it was hard enough ex existing without Nick Chubb. But now they lose both. Like if they lose both, Baker's not playing on Thursday. Uh, those are concerns. Like they got 19 guys, 19 guys out. Yeah, and by the way, Case Keenum, your backup Browns quarterback, Cleve. So there you go. <laughs> um, but I, I have to ask you guys this because there's been a lot of debate about Baker, his durability, and he's coming up on that decision that the Browns have to make to pay the guy. Um, you know, how much does the struggles this year in certain aspects and i think we're still early in the season we have a lot more games to go but do, do the browns have a really tough decision coming up like do we have to wonder about durability I and mean, do we have to ask ourselves is is baker going to be worth that much money when they have to make this decision if they think they aren't going to resign baker they need to be in the deshaun watson sweepstakes Right. Like if they if they think they're not going to be paying Baker coming up here in a couple of years, they need to be trading Baker and first round picks to Houston for Deshaun Watson because the rest of the team is ready to go. They yeah. can't let Baker walk and then try to draft another quarterback and end up with Josh Rosen or Mitch Trubisky or whoever. So if that's if that's where they really find themselves, then they need to really be swinging for the best available quarterback that's out there. And there's no talk that they're doing that. So I think they are going to uh, sign Baker long term and maybe even get a little bit of a discount on them because of the injuries i was i was gonna say that i think they can they can justify cutting it a little short because of because of the you know of that but again i mean the guys you know odell's in and out landry's been in and out um now his running backs are hurt the, the one-two punch so you know the defense is keeping them in games but you know it's not his fault that totally his fault that um 
injury bug is biting them. There's always one or two teams that that is that get this, you know that you know they just get decimated by injuries. Like yeah, yeah. nineteen guys out, right? Nineteen. That's insane. So, Cleve, one of these people I'm about to name is real, and the other is fake, or is not an NFL player. They are both running backs for the Browns. I want you to tell me which one is the running back and which one is the made-up person, okay? Okay. Demetric Felton or Ernest Johnson? All right. The first one is a real person. Trick question. They're both real. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, no one names their kid Demetric. <laughs> well, apparently, apparently Mama Felton does because he's a real person who is a running back now for, for the Browns, along with the Ernest Johnson. Wow. Um, they're the two leading leading the backfield. So yeah, it's a long way from Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt. Uh Jarvis Landry's still out, Baker out. They're gonna have a rough time with the Broncos this week. Yeah. Uh, the next game here, we have the Cowboys 35 at the Patriots 29. One of the most entertaining games I've seen in a long time. The fourth quarter was insane. So here's what happened. Uh, Dak gets called down on a QB sneak on third down, but he actually scored and they didn't review it. And then on fourth down, he tries again and fumbles. Mac Jones turns around, immediately throws a pick six to Trayvon Diggs. The very next play, Matt torches digs to Kendrick Bourne for a 75-yard touchdown. The Cowboys then drive for the uh, game-tying field goal, win the coin toss, go down the field, and walk off on a 35-yard touchdown pass to CeeDee Lamb. It was definitely an entertaining game. And uh, I, I want to ask this fundamental question. I, I told Cleve that this is my opinion uh, after six games now. And I'm, I'm pretty convinced of it, but I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, is it possible that Bill Belichick's conservative nature all of a sudden this season is actually holding back the Patriots and Mac Jones? 100%. Right? So, and I don't think this is because the game has passed Bill Belichick by. I just feel like there's something that is not convincing him to just sort of like let Mac Jones do his thing. Because I feel like Mac Jones has actually been looking better each week. And yes, of course, I mean, the pick six, but... I feel like when you look at some of these things, like we we are better than that, right? We we don't just say, well, it's a pick six and that's it. You know, it's like a throw that is a little bit ahead. So that one's on him, right? But like that mm -hmm. throw to Aguilar, that throw to Aguilar, hit Aguilar right in the hands. That was a good throw and yeah. your guy doesn't catch it. But Mac Jones, again, like you said, torched him for a 75-yard bomb. So like those are the types of plays you want to see out of the guys. And the Patriots are not making these plays. And I feel like they are settling so often for what feels like vanilla and conservative offense when just let them go out there and do some stuff. And if, if Mac makes mistakes, I mean, they're already two and four. So like let him learn on the fly. Let him get better. And Dave, we talked about this two weeks ago. Show confidence in the guy, right? Yep. Give him those moments to, to do this. And But I want to say this about the Cowboys. Traditionally, the last few years, the Cowboys have not won games like this. These are the games that the Cowboys always lose. And to me, that's a sign of a good team when you win these games. And the Patriots are not doing that. They've had multiple opportunities this season to do this. Against the Bucks, right? Against uh, the Dolphins' first game of the season, they fumble inside the five. And in this game, where they can't hold them, and the 75-yard pass was great, but it took no time off the clock. So... Uh, and you can't like nitpick on that. But my point is the Cowboys made the right plays when they had to to win this game. And the Patriots thus far this season have not done that. And those are the differences between a good team and a not good team. That's just what I saw in this game. Second oh, Mike, week McCar in a Mike, Mike McCarthy sucks. 
Yes, second week in a row. <laughs> second week in a row, Patriots defense gets touched up, though. Dak goes for over 400 yards. C.D. Lamb, 9-149-2. Understandable against the Cowboys. They're a good offense, but it is still two weeks in a row. I mean, if the defense is not going to be shutting people down, they're going to have to be more aggressive on offense, the Patriots, or else because they need to try to counteract it. But they're in a, in a lot of trouble if they're giving up, like, below average defensive performances well the other thing too is the cowboys i think ran a lot more plays than the patriots as well so like the patriots have a lot of three and outs right they have a lot of short drives this season and even though they've been looking better uh the first few weeks of the season and it's a lot of wear and tear on a defense and you've said it dave like passing is the most efficient way to, to gain yardage and for, there's something hold it like they have all of these guys that have shown flashes here and there, but they can't seem to like put it together. And is it Bill's conservative? I mean, it's obviously his conservative nature, but like, is he dictating this? At some point, I feel like just take the reins off and let it happen. If Mac throws a four pick game, well, you're already two and four. What's the difference? I think he's a control freak. I think he's a control guy. I think he, I think you're right, uh, Matt. I think you're right that they've always done it like that. Um, It's it's kind of the Patriot way and he's going to have to fall in fall in line but i do agree with your assessment that he should um you know take the reins off a little bit and let the kid play because it's the second time they did that right you said that what was that game where they didn't trust him to yeah they, 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 they kicked a 56 yard field goal in a driving rainstorm instead of letting him go for it <laughs> yeah, yeah against the bucks right i'm like come right. on <laughs> which we're gonna we're gonna talk about a coach who made the right call and trusted his quarterback in a very similar position, even though it didn't work out. That's a tease for a little bit later. But I'm not even mad about the Patriots because I didn't, I hoped they would have a better season. I said that they, if everything went right, they could be a 10 win team. But if not, that they were gonna be an average football team, if not a bad football team. I think the better indicator is next year with them. Like, let's see what they look like next year. But I, I just want them to stop being so friggin' conservative because there's no reason to be anymore. Mac Jones is only going to get you, you got to let him get better. And Dave says this every time about how's how's Trey Lance going to get better in accuracy. He just plays more. Right. right. So let Mac Jones fucking play. Josh McDaniels can scheme up a great game. We've already seen that. And I get it. He had Brady and all that stuff. But let him do his thing. Let Matt get you get let Matt get more confident. And right now I don't see that. And I feel like it's a hindrance to Mac Jones and not a benefit to hold him back from making too many mistakes. Give us the uh Matt, give us the uh so one took a shot at you after this game and you had to shoot back. Yeah, so I, I might have went to a relative's <laughs> house and there are Cowboys fans and one of them said, Hey, how did it feel to lose? And I said, Hey, how does it feel to not win a Super Bowl in the last thirty years? <laughs> there we go. So we I mean, mean Cleves like 50 years and I'm like what's a Super Bowl and 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 Detroit like never <laughs> right <laughs> well I I asked this question I was like let me ask you would you trade this win for a Super Bowl yes well then this win doesn't matter it only matters exactly. if the Cowboys win the Super Bowl like it's the first time that the Patriots have lost to the Cowboys since they've been in this family but ultimately it's meaningless unless the, the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. That's all that matters. And so I've seen three Super Bowls since I came into this family. Like they actually broke the the, the long drought for the Patriots. Like it was like the first year after I uh, got engaged, the Patriots won the Super Bowl and they won three out of the next four or whatever it was. Mm. Man, must be nice. <laughs> right? Honestly, fuck this guy. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh, by the knows. way, my, by the way, my my dad my dad agrees with me on the. I talked to him today actually about about uh, Bill Belichick, and he actually agrees. Uh, my mother in law, of course, 
I mean, my my stepmother, of course, was like, "Fuck Tom Brady." So that that continues. Jeez, <laughs> you gotta let it go, man. Well, it's, it's unhealthy speaking, at this point. Speaking <laughs> of being let go, we have the Raiders thirty-four at the Broncos oh. twenty-four, and uh, I have no notes about the actual game here. I just have two notes uh like macro notes the first is that the broncos are just absolute maximum frauds we're getting smoke showed by the raiders after the raiders were just like just in the racism barrel all week and then also the raiders were able to get up for this game after being in the spotlight everybody talking about them or whatever but this is a dead cat bounce there's nothing there's nothing to them both these teams are just absolute trash and we just talked about the Browns with all their injuries and stuff and how they you know, coming up on Thursday, they play the Broncos. The Browns will beat the Broncos with Case Keenum by more than 10 points. This was the fraud bowl. I called it that last week. It so lived up to the moniker. I actually said to a Broncos fan, I said, I know the game happened, but I don't remember anything from it because it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, literally did not did not matter in the least, except for like really confirming how terrible the Broncos are because they yeah. should not have. Been, I mean, this game was thirty four to twenty four, but it wasn't that close. The Broncos, it was like thirty four to ten. They I got like, they got smashed. I feel like the Wolverine meme when he's looking at a longingly looking at a photo is the Broncos this year, except it's Aaron Rodgers in the photo because they're watching the Packers at five and one. They could have had this guy and they decided to dick around and play hard to get. And now they don't have him. And look at what they have a complete fraud team. I hope that Aaron Rodgers calls John Elway on the phone and goes, I own you. I fucking own you. I've owned you my entire life. And then just hangs up. Let's make, actually, you know what? We should recreate that phone call. We should do that as a gig. We'll recreate the phone call. Dave can be Aaron Rodgers. Uh, are we going to be able to recreate John Elway's flip phone, though? Or <laughs> I was going to go rotary. Uh, actually, yeah, I, do, I, I do I do. have a setting in my recording stuff that does old telephone, so we can't actually make that happen. <laughs> no, it'll, it'll, it'll sound more like he's on like a rotary dial phone, but I think it'll get the proper effect. John Elway's like, that was Aaron Rodgers. I got to call him back. What's the exchange? 1-800-COLLECT he's like hey Aaron it's me don't hang up (laughs) Jesus the the next game we have sure we have the Seahawks 20 at the Steelers 23 and it's uh, something I sent you guys it is my note I have here Geno Smith is inevitable this guy is going to blow the game without fail he is the anti-Aaron Rodgers (laughs) if there is a way to lose this guy is going to find it and he's going to have this dumbass expression on his face when it happens like he cannot believe this is happening again for the 80th game in a row just (laughs) absolutely unbelievable uh and then I put this uh my only other note is that the Seahawks are completely done without Russ and the Steelers are done with Ben Roethlisberger like this was not a this was not a pretty game. No, and the, man, the Steelers fans right now are like, we're back, and I keep telling them you're not Ugh. back. Like you cannot use this as a proper data point, folks. We're back. But my brother-in-law texted me because he has this he he can't stand Pete Carroll, and it's the gum chewing that he can't stand. And uh, he asked me, he's like, do you think it's like a cocaine laced gum? And that's why he chews it so hard. And I was like, well, I said he's gonna need it if he's got to start Geno Smith the next five to six oh seven weeks. Oh my god. Rumors, rumors out there that the Seahawks are looking at bringing in Cam Newton. Ooh. That's not a bad idea to bridge the gap. I mean, they, they 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 probably feel like if they have a competent quarterback, that they can tread water because they can't go. They can't look this bad in that division for more than a week. 
Like they, they'll be toast, totally toast. They waited too long. Like by the time you bring Cam in and get him up to speed and, and all that, Russell will be back. So they're sort of stuck with with Gino. But like, yeah, as soon as Cam was cut, you could have brought him in then and yeah. had him be, be the backup. Got him on the cheap too. Yeah, I mean, this these teams. This was such a painful game to watch with the quarter with the terrible quarterback play. It felt like watching the AFL. And wow. I text I texted you guys. Whoever made this game before the season thought, hey, this might have a good intrigue to it. Ben in his last year, Russ in his prime, and then this is what they got. Wash Ben <laughs> and Geno Smith. And Al Michaels had to make that sound good. Oh man, I mean he he did he did the best he could, but it was I mean, at least the game was exciting because it was close. But even then you knew that Geno, when he got fumbled the game away, you're like, Yep, there's Geno Smith. Set your watch to him. Oh man. And then the uh, the final game of the week, the Monday night game, we had the Bills 31 and the Titans 34. And the first note I have on this game is that Micah Hyde is the bravest person on the planet. He attempted to face up tackle Derrick Henry in the open field with Henry running full speed right at him. And so I would just like to say uh, on behalf of Micah Hyde that the wake is Friday at 2 p.m. with a small service for friends and family at 4 p.m. to follow. For vaccinated people only, of course. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, I mean, so- he got, I don't, I mean, it, Derrick Henry did slow down when he hit him, but like you slow down when you hit something with your car too, but you don't really <laughs> stop. You know what I mean? Like that's what, that's what sort of happened here. But man, he, he fucked around and found out. So my assessment of this game is as follows. Uh, the Titans played probably what could be considered their best game of the season and it still was only three points better than the Bills, and they could have lost the game. Can they recreate this multiple times this season? I just don't see it. It was a great game, no doubt, but I think they have to play this perfectly against the cream of the crop in the AFC to even have a chance, and I don't see that being recreated more than once, maybe twice. Also, the the fourth and one call by McDermott, I, I alluded to it earlier. Uh, I felt like it's the right call to make, and what ended up happening is they didn't get it, right? I totally understand that, you know, people can be mad that, hey, we didn't get the yard. They should have kicked the field goal. But I, we've talked about this, Dave. You maybe disagree, but I know you're a fan of, of being aggressive. And they have Josh Allen, right? If you can't trust Josh Allen and that offense to get a yard, then what are you doing there? So he put, it in, put the ball in his guy's hands. They just didn't get the yard. I bet you if they run that play 10 times, they probably get it eight right? The, the one yard, probably something like that. Ooh, I will yep. take those odds. And they're being aggressive to win the football game. That's what we're out here for, not playing for overtime. And I, I don't know. I just thought people don't separate the fact that the decision is right, the execution lacked. So those are two separate concepts. Just because the execution lacked doesn't mean the decision, like, it, you know what I mean? Like, and maybe, and again, there's parts where the decision is wrong and the execution sucks. Matt LaFleur. But my point being is that some a lot of fans, it seems, can't separate the two ideas. So here's the thing, though, Matt. Please stop educating people about the importance of paying attention to process and not results. Some of us are trying to make money playing poker, and you're making it harder by teaching people hey. not to be results-oriented, right? I want them <laughs> to be mad when the river hits and they lose, right? That's what I want. I don't want them learning all this stuff, but you are correct. The decision to go for it on fourth and one was a hundred percent correct. Like 
it was correct logistically, rationally, morally, philosophically, emotionally, politically. It was correct in all the ways a decision can be correct. If they kick the field goal there to force overtime, first they're 50-50 for getting the coin toss. So let's say that even though because they're the better team, that they're 60% to win in that case, right? They win 80% of the time they win the coin toss and then they win 20% of the times that they lose the coin toss or something. So like 60% to win. If they make this fourth and one, their winning percentage is astronomically higher because they could win during regulation without the Titans ever getting the ball back. And they can always just kick the field goal again later if they need to. So it's not even like, it's not even a debate. This is one of those things where like, if somebody tries to argue and say that they should have just kicked the field goal and gone to overtime, you can just immediately log that this is a person you want to play games of chance against for money because they are not going to be good at it. This was 100% the correct decision from a very sharp coach. McCarthy made the opposite call in the Patriots game, and I said offline that he got bailed out. It was fourth yep. and one. It was a 50-something yard field goal, and I said he should go for it here. And they they didn't, and I was like, this is the kind of shit that's going to separate this team from other guys. Like, McDermott trusts his team to get a yard. You got mm -hmm. Josh Allen. If you again, if they get they get it 80% of the time, every coach will take those odds because you now have a better chance to score a touchdown and win the damn game. Like just win the damn game. And I, I feel mean, like I, I defended this. I defended this because so many people were like, should kick the field goal. And I was like, you, you I, I hate to say you people, but it's like you don't understand how this this the risk analysis of this stuff works because and I've learned this over time, like that's 100% the right call. It's like the Cowboys going for two after they got the pick six. There's no difference yeah. between five and six. Like there's no difference. So go for two because if you get it, you're up by seven. And that's a much diff more difficult ask for the Patriots. It's just, oh, it's so frustrating. Yeah, so the, the winning percentage difference between kicking the field goal and going for it I, I haven't seen this anywhere. This is just off the top of my head thinking about it real quick. It has to be at least 20 percentage points. And like 20 percentage points is a lot of percents because there's only 100 percents available. So yeah. when you can pick up 20 on a decision and then for poker people out there that say that the uh, kicking the field, the field goal makes it 50-50 when they go to overtime, well, that's ace-king versus queens. But if you go for it, you're at a 70-30, that's ace-king versus ace-queen. I mean, there's no question which one you'd rather be in. Like, it's not even, to argue that they should have kicked the field goal is as wrong a statement as somebody could make. The coach at Washington State losing money by not getting vaccinated is making a smarter decision than kicking that field goal would have been. Wow. Sorry, that that was my hot thing this week because I was actually on Twitter defending the decision to go for it. And I'm like, man, there's a lot of people who don't know anything about how to make decisions in football that are just out here like, oh, the result was wrong. And it's like, it's not God bless them. They're funding my trip to L.A. So, yeah. you know, they can they can be thinking that now. I only I really only follow uh, DFS players and poker players. So. I did not have to argue with any idiots talking about how they should have kicked, how they should have kicked the field goal. They did not make it across my timeline, but you know, I can, I can, I can certainly imagine it. I don't know what Dan Orlovsky had to say, but I'm sure he said kick the field goal. Uh, I'm going to start calling Derrick Henry, Mister. Um, I'm going to make a business decision when I see him coming because <laughs> the guy runs downhill, 100 miles an hour, 
and uh, people are just at the end of the game. They're so done with him. They just let him come through. So untouched. This this did pop up on Twitter. This discussion, and I'm very curious your thoughts on it because you are in exceedingly good shape, but you are not an NFL football player. Mm-hmm. Do you think if you were fully padded at the five yard line and Derrick Henry is running at you full speed? And he could not juke, and he could not go side to side. He could only go through you. Could you get him down without him scoring? No, I don't think so. I think what about the ten yard line. I I think I think if it's straight up, if I can get an angle, maybe I can get get his feet or something. But it's like it's Oklahoma up, drill. You're just he's just you're yeah, running nah, into front nah, of you. Yeah, that's all you have to say. If it's Oklahoma, you already know sure. what the drill is. That's that's straight up hat on a hat. It's not gonna happen. Okay, so there were people <laughs> like non-personal trainers who were saying on Twitter that as long as you couldn't move side to side and they were in pads, that they would lose the collision, but they could get him down before he scored from five yards away. No, he and could, I was like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever yeah, heard in my life. Yeah, I, yeah. That it, just the momentum alone would carry him like the last touchdown he scored. Once yeah. he bowls you over, he just, he could just, hur- he just hurl himself into the end zone. <laughs> Yeah, these are not like these are like <laughs> former athletes or anything like that. They're just like no, come guys on, no, or like come on. no. He, 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 the he, collision, he, the collision but, alone, stand-up collision is that's that's a lot of force. And this man is two hundred and what forty-five pounds or something like that. Two fifty-three. Two. Oh, oh, there we go. Yeah. So the 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 guy whose mock draft you were talking about during draft season, Anthony Amico, one of these guys said, one of these guys was like, no, if, if I know I would lose the collision, but I can get him down. Amico responded and said, no, sir, you would die immediately upon impact. <laughs> and I I'm told like, you yeah, people were that's... bad at. I told you people were bad at risk assessment. <laughs> no kidding, like. Business I cannot decision. believe reading this, on tw- reading this on Twitter. Like there are literally people out there who think that they could stop Derrick Henry. This is like Micah Hyde. Yeah, because to your point, Dave, if this is a regular layman person versus another finely tuned athlete trying to stop someone this big. Like they're having trouble. Would you think you're gonna get this guy down? Are you smoking dope? I mean, like- to be honest, Cleve. <laughs> Flip it around and make me the person stopping and make you Derrick Henry. I'm not even stopping you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let alone, let alone try to stop Derrick Henry from running into the end zone. Yeah, it's just, so sorry, it's that's just, a bit of a tangent, but I just wanted to mention this incredible uh, Twitter dumb. conversation. Well, if I, att- if I attempted this, I'd look to the camera and say, I'm Matty Ice and welcome to Jackass. And then he would hit me. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be texting Megan, I love you and my password to the bank accounts. <laughs> because it's about to be over for Dave. All right, we got about seven minutes left, fellas. So let's uh, get to this week's games. Okay, so this coming week, we already mentioned the, the Broncos and Browns on Thursday night, where, I, like I said, I think the Browns are going to win this game. And I'm actually making a little parlay bet. I'm going to parlay the Browns money line with a Browns defensive or special teams touchdown. Okay. And so that's what I'm taking for my little bet there. A couple games you have on Sunday. We have the Bengals at the Ravens, which all of a sudden is a hugely important game uh, in, in that division. We have the political football bowl, the Jets at the Patriots. Oof. We have my special uh, field trip, the Lions at the Rams, which uh, it's going to be fun to see my <laughs> brother. And it's going to be fun to be at a football game. But I cannot believe I'm going all this way to watch this carnage. I, you know what? I think you guys are going to win. Of course you do. Of course you do. 
<laughs> the, the lions are the lions are like your favorite child. They could do no wrong in your eyes. They're they're zero six. They have no talent except for like two positions. They can't do anything right. Their coach is like drinking lion piss, biting kneecaps, and you're like, "There's my little lions." Great. Great. <laughs> we have the uh, we have the Texans at the Cardinals, which mm. I only put on here just because, like, yeah, I I cannot <laughs> wait for this. Slower. Uh, Kyler Kyler might throw for 500 yards in this game, but the real reason <laughs> I put this on here is not the slaughter. This is the DeAndre Hopkins revenge game. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's they're gonna make it personal. Yeah, and it's going to be personal. Yeah, it's going to be personal. They can stop him. Yeah. Um, it is also the JJ Watt revenge game. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, so both sides of the ball for for Arizona, but yeah, DeAndre Hopkins might get twenty catches in this game because you know <laughs> he just wants to put it on that organization. Sunday night we have the Colts at the 49ers. Okay. So the 49ers were on bye last week. The Colts have played two good games in a row. They lost to the Ravens, but then they pounded the Texans. But we saw what Lamar did against the Colts at home two weeks ago on Monday night, I think. And they, you know, he went crazy. So this is a great spot for Trey Lance to show up and really show what he has. And then Cleve, the Monday night game, the Saints at the Seahawks, more primetime Geno Smith. <laughs> like Matt said, man, when they when they feel in these games and they made this schedule, they had no idea this was going to happen. So you got a ticket to that? Could you, could you, the stadium might be half empty. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. Jameis Winston uh, and Geno Smith on Monday night. <laughs> I know what Six, I'll be doing. 16 to 14, Geno and the Seahawks. Because <laughs> I think the Saints were due for a bad game, if I'm not correct. I think they had a great game last time, so they're due for a bad game this time. So this will be a... G- Gino yes. get a little Gino get a little confidence. No, Gino is inevitable. So it doesn't matter if the Saints are due for a and bad that, game. They'll play bad and still win when he throws a back breaking pick six with three minutes to go in the game. <laughs> and look dumbfounded that it actually happened. <laughs> that's the that's that's the part right there. <laughs> what happened? I, I I've all, I've never been this bad before. By the way. <laughs> Cleve, before I end with my positive thing, uh, Mrs. Ice uh, said this about Bruce Arians, that he looks exactly the same every time they show him on the sideline. And so she's convinced that it's a hologram. He's not actually coaching the team. So she's on board with you on that he's not actually yeah, coaching the yeah, team. Yeah, he's getting the check. He's he, he, he's in Tahiti somewhere chilling, drinking Mai Tais, and, and someone's on a sideline in a Kango. <laughs> with, with a do rag underneath it, right? I think <laughs> with a do rag underneath it, Coachella, baby. <laughs> Coachella. Oh man. Well, uh, so in in a little positivity to end the episode. Uh, so apparently, Dak has been wearing uh, a writing on his wrist tape. Uh, Ask for help, and this is a, a reminder. Uh, for those living with with mental illness that their lives matter and that they're not alone and i believe also the eagles uh offensive lineman lane johnson is coming back to the team after being away i think for some for mental health issues and uh, calvin ridley i believe is returning to the falcons it said personal reasons i i think that's also mental health related so i used all three of those examples and obviously dak has been very open about his struggle with that but um really cool thing for dak because it's one thing to to struggle with this at such a uh, high level of society where he has resources available to him you know he has a lot of money himself but there's many people in this country that are struggling and a lot of men in particular who are struggling uh who who don't get the recognition and it's just seen as like well rub some dirt on it 
and uh, you know it's not that way anymore so it's nice that these stories are being out in the open and um, you know uh, it's it's always good to to have an athlete who is caring about something more than what's happening on the football field so uh, yeah I agree so uh, honestly guys uh, this this season has been has been terrific we have really uh, found our rhythm in terms of the the players we're honing in and last season it was the Giants but I feel like this year we're finding somebody every single week to to take a dump on, and I feel like our analysis has really taken it taken it to another level. Uh, so I, I've really had a lot of fun with you guys, and we're almost we're a quarter of the way through the season, or third of the way through the season, something like that. So still plenty of life left. But uh, to all the listeners, we definitely appreciate you listening to us for sure. Um, and you can connect with us on Twitter, Maddie Ice Media. Dave only follows uh, poker players, so don't follow him unless you gamble. Um, and of course, uh, on Instagram, political football podcast and mattiesmedia.com for a whole bunch of other shows that we support including the manual with as always cleave so fellas another great week in the books and uh, i look forward to next week so everybody hug your loved ones of course dave have a great time in la we'll see y'all next week safe travels bro peace the opinions and viewpoints expressed on political football are those of cleave dave and matty ice and not necessarily those of the matty ice media network Political football is exclusively owned by Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.